When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, this is the SG Tour Report podcast from Secret Golf. I'm Diane Knox. So we are back with our final report of 2020. Um, last week was the Mayakoba Golf Classic and that was the last full field event of the calendar year. So a nice little break. However, this week there's a really fun event taking place. It's the QBE Shootout, affectionately known as the Shark Shootout in Naples, Florida at Tiburon Golf Club. Now it's um, called the Shark Shootout because it's Greg Norman's event and he'll definitely be there this week. It's a team event and it's it's been going on for a long time now. The only time that Greg Norman's ever won his own event was alongside fellow Australian Steve Elkington. Um, Elk's actually been on the winning team three times and we'll talk about that on the podcast this week. Now what we're going to do is we're going to go through the report kind of as we usually do um, but because it's a team event it was slightly different this week. So we still have all the data and what we did was we took the individual stats for each team then we kind of came up with a bit of an average and it painted a great picture but we've really gone big on our intangibles this week especially current form and past success around this course the guys that know the course well and there's some really interesting pairings this week Last year, it was won by Rory Sabatini and Kevin Tway. And um, I mean, well, we're going to go through the format and stuff. It's a three-day event that starts on Friday, but the scoring is going to be so low. They won at minus 31 last year. And uh, runners-up, well, Ryan Palmer and Harold Varner the third, and Billy Horschel and Brendan Todd, two guys who had uh, great weeks in Mayakoba last week. Speaking of Mayakoba, congratulations to Victor Hovland on his second PG. Tour victory and also well two of our big picks finished top 10 Harris English amazing final round to get up to fifth place and Carlos Ortiz as well we did expect him to finish strong and that he did Right, so on to this week. As I said, it's a bit of a special edition of the SG Tour Report. So we're going to go through the field for the QBE shootout. Um, we'll go through all the pairings. Elk and I will detail the top three that we think are going to do well this week. And then we also kind of look back on the year and hear from some of our secret golf contributors, including Jason Kokrak, Russell Knox, Andrew Landry and Mark Leishman. So a jam-packed show today is all coming up right here on the SG Tour Report. It's our final show of 2020, but we have so much to talk about this week. My name is Diane Knox and I'm joined by Steve Elkington um, in Houston, Texas. Do you have a credential around your neck? Diane, I am a volunteer this week at the Women's US Open. I spent the whole day over there yesterday 
A lot of the girls are already in. So, of course, the tournament in Texas finished last night, and um, Angela Stanford, she won the tournament. She was here two weeks ago playing with Gabby Lopez and uh, Jarena Pillar on the golf course. So I'm excited. I'm, I, my credential is for golf course maintenance. So every day I ride my bike over, so I don't have to worry about parking, park it at the maintenance shed, and off to work I go. Please, will you hold the credential up closely? Because I want to see this. Oh my gosh, that is. When you said to me you were volunteering, the first thing that came into my head was you were going to go off to the course with a little lunchbox each day in one of those folding stools and sit and watch the balls. You'll be a ball spotter in the rough. That's not a bad idea taking my own lunch because you do have to stay out there quite a while. <laughs> that is amazing. Um, Champions Golf Club being the course that you're at every single day. We've done the show from the locker room of Champions before. So it's an amazing course. I'm really excited to watch the US Women's Open this week because I've never seen the course like that. You talk about it all the time. I've seen parts of it and pictures, but it's going to be great to see it set up. Um, and I know that you've played a bit of a role in that too. I spent some time with the two ladies that set up the pins for next week, and I basically went out and observed with them. And nothing really I can uh, add to them. They're they're both very thorough and very excellent the way they do all their work. But you know, I would point out a little bit where there was some slope or where there was some grain to watch out for, and so on. We have some cool weather. We're not used to Diane playing the U.S. Open in the fall. Okay. And by the way, yesterday I followed a young girl named Gabby Ruffles, and she's a uh, senior at USC. She's an Australian girl. She's only been playing golf, Diane, I think six years. She won the United States Amateur Championship last year, and she was runner-up this year. She's going to be turning pro in May of next year, her mother told me. But imagine being playing golf six years, already United States Amateur Champion, and she's playing in the US Open this week. So talented. Oh, and by the way, in case you thought you could beat her at golf, when she was 14, she was ranked in the top five of tennis players in the world for her age. So she just quit that, and now she's a golfer. And by the way, she is tall and strong, and she is, she's got everything she needs to play on the tour forever. I honestly thought you were building up to tell me that I still have a chance, that it could still happen. Um, her brother, actually, funny you should mention that, because when you said Ruffles, an Australian, her brother, Ryan Ruffles, he must be like 22 years old or something. He plays on the Corn Ferry Tour. So, I mean, that's amazing that her brother has been over here and had success on a professional tour, and she's about to do the same. Yeah, it's great. It's great to see. They have 20 uh, amateurs playing this week in the U.S. Women's Open. There's three girls on the team from USC, some girls from Stanford. I saw um, Alabama. I saw Wake Forest. I saw Florida State, Arizona State. Of course, all the big guns get in today. Diane, Stacey Lewis will be coming in, Gabby Lopez will be in, Jarena Pillar, Brittany Lynchicum, who got a little bout of COVID a couple of weeks ago. She texted me and she said she's pretty confident about playing. U.S. Open champion Brittany Lang, one of our contributors, she'll be here. So it's really interesting watching them on the range. Got a few tips yesterday, just sitting there on the back of the range watching these girls pitch because women, women pitch the ball so well. They, they, they're very shallow with their swing. Anyway. Let's get back to our show. We'll get back to coaching <laughs> later on. The thing is, you said there about our secret golf contributors, and we mention them every single week because we do have so many of them on the PGA Tour, which we do talk about week after week, but the LPGA Tour, the Corn Ferry Tour, and it's, it's cool for us to catch up with them. We learn so much, not only about the tournaments and how courses are playing week after week, but their games and what they're working on and just what it takes to be out there grinding week after week. Later on in this show, actually, we're going to look back on 2020 and we will roll some of the catch-ups that we've had with them. Right, so last week it was the Mayakoba Golf Classic and Victor Hovland getting that victory. It was, um, I mean, it was great for us because throughout the course of the tournament, a lot of the guys that we had picked on the show were doing really well. And we had Harris English at the top of our re-ranking who ended up finishing fifth. Yeah, Victor Hovland, um, really experienced player, won the US Amateur at Pebble Beach, came out of the same university as uh, Matthew Wolf. 
It's been under the radar since Matthew Wolf, but this is, I think this is Hobland's second event he's won. I think Matthew only has one, even though he was almost there for the US Open. So that'll be good for him. Yeah, it was an interesting week. Your brother was uh, touted. We had a lot of guys that started out real windy down there in Mexico and rain everywhere. And it seemed like the golf course was going to play tough all week. Your brother was leading, I think, through two rounds. And then all of a sudden the weather, the rain came through, it got soft. And it kind of the long hitters took over a little bit, Diane. And we saw Victor Hovland, they shoot some seriously low court scores to finish 20 under. We never thought we'd see 20 uh, after day one. However, um, we had a good run with our, with our picks. And when we say our players are contributors to Secret Golf, what does that mean? They contribute to our show. Everybody looks at data, data, data. But we hear from the caddies, we hear from our players. We know who's sort of on the verge of playing well or guys that are really unhappy with their games or their swings or their putting. So we're putting all that together. And I think we've had a pretty good season so far. And, you know, yeah, we go on the data, of course, but there's other intangibles that we have to take into account. And for me, you know, looking back at it, at the results from um, Mayakoba, Carlos Ortiz was a guy who, if you look at just the data, he was further down that ranking. However, we really boosted him right up because of that win at Houston and the momentum, the runner-up finish here last year. I mean, and then he, he finishes a few off. Yeah. A lot to be proud of. Mm-hmm. Um, There's certain things um, that we're going to even talk about this week of why these players are able to turn their games on sometimes. And we've learned over the course of the year that any time a guy goes back to his home country when he's been playing well, there's a sort of carryover level of how long does that good momentum last when you can um, dare pick a guy again because of he's from there or he just played well in Houston or, you know, all these little sort of, um, waves that we try to ride and I think we're doing a really good job of it and and part of it's due to that we know the players so well and we hear so much from them yeah and from their caddies and from people that are out of the tournaments week after week so this week well as I said at the start our final show of 2020 and it's the QBE shootout so it's a little bit different in the second part of the show we're going to get into the format and and what to expect but it's three days it's teams of two and it's well affectionately known as the shark shootout and a tournament that you have won more than a couple of times. Well, I've been lucky enough to play with some absolute legends in the shark shootout, Diane. I've won three, three shark shootouts and I'm going to give you my formula. I've got about three teams. Look, anyone can win the shark shootout pretty much because let's face it, you've got two tour players playing on one hole together and they're taking the best score. We're talking about, uh, breaking Guinness Book of Records here and scoring when we go down to play these courses. However, there is some important things for those people that can't get enough of handicapping. We are going to handicap, well, I think I've got three really super teams and one of them is going to be one that you would not have thought of that I'm going to release to you here in the next segment. I have to say very quickly, I'm moving house, which is why in the background you'll see nothing but boxes and a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> it's um, a bit of a sad state of affairs right now. Anyway. I thought maybe your picks weren't, your betting, your <laughs> picks weren't doing so well and you've been selling off some artwork or something there. I think we both know that that is not the case, especially That's if you look at the SG Tour Golf Gaming app. You know, I wasn't going to rub in the fact that I beat you again, <laughs> but you just set me up for it. I know. It was my own bad. It was my bad. Okay. Right. So this week, the QBE shootout. It's at Tiburon Golf Club in Naples, Florida. It's a a Greg Norman course, uh, hence the shark shootout, the the tournament being affectionately known as. Um, It's a team event. So tell us a little bit about the format and what we can expect. So this is one of these events, Diane, that was commonly known as a silly season in golf. They, they use that name. It's not silly. It's great because it's fun. You get to play with a partner. But this course, particular course, the Chipperone course in Naples, is winds its way through some sort of marshy land. It's, it's quite narrow in places. But, Diane, it doesn't matter this week because the first day of the shark shootout is a scramble. What does that mean? So both pros tee off on the, on the tee. They go to the... They both hit off. They go to the best ball. They both play from there and so on. Scoring is going to be so low on day one. Uh, I think Greg Norman and I maybe have set a record the year 
that, no, we didn't win it that year, but we were about 19 under. So they're almost going to birdie every hole the first okay. day. The second day of the shark shootout is called a, uh, a uh, modified alternate shot. This is the trickiest day of the shark shootout. And this is the one that will usually win or lose the tournament. Both players tee off on the hole. They take the best drive and then they play one ball from there. So if I, if, if you and I were playing together, you, you uh, we went to your drive, I would then play your ball and then you would put my ball in and so on. So it's a little tricky. And that's where this tournament, as I just said, will be sort of won or lost because if the, if one of your players is off form, that's the day you'll trip up on. Okay. Now, third day, straight golf, just best ball. We both play our own ball and we take the best score. So scoring is going to be really low. Last year it was 30 under par for three days. That's approximately 10 under each day. Then my math is on form today. <laughs> and I do have a bit of a sort of an idea of what's going to happen in this tournament, okay. although I must preface it by saying, dive by in, anything could happen in this yeah. tournament. Well, let me, um, I'll just go over last year quickly. It was minus 31. It was Kevin Tway and Rory Sabatini who won. In second place, it was our secret golf contributor team of JT Poston and Jason Kokrak. Then tied for third, Ryan Palmer and Harold Varner the third with Billy Horschel and Brendan Todd. And then in fifth place, Ian Poulter and Graham McDowell. So this year, well, we're going to run through all the teams. We'll tell you who's joining up quickly. And um, when you have a look at the names, there's some pairings that will stand out immediately. But then our job is to really dive into everything. And we're going to give you our top three at the end. Yes, we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to give you what I think is a recipe for success. Those teams that you just mentioned from last year, I have no idea how Tway and Sabatini, I don't know, I didn't know their strengths. Uh, Sabatini can make some putts. Uh, Tway's a long hitter. That combination worked, obviously. But the other ones you noticed, some of them we're going to see again this year that you just talked about. And one of them that you mentioned is in the top three this week. Actually, before we name the teams, we should talk a little bit about the course. And the, I mean, you've played it so many times. It's a, a very well-known course in that this tournament is held there every year. But what sort of stats are we really going to be looking at? Well, it's a, it's. It, there's no great advantage for any team on this course. When I say that, I mean, there is, if you can putt and you can hit your irons close to the pin, that's what's going to win this tournament this week. But when you start to think about teams like Finau uh, and Cameron Champ that are massively long off the tee, they don't have a great advantage here. Why is that? Because all the par fives are reachable in two by these, by these two-man combos. So it's all about getting close to the flag. This is all Bermuda grass. The weather should be pretty warm down there. This is a time of the year where the guys are about to put their feet up for the, for the Christmas holidays. But let's take one more big check away from this tour this year. For sure. So the first team, you mentioned them there, Cameron Champ and Tony Finau. So immediately the first thing you think about is these are the bombers. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. You know, those two guys are both in the top five off the tee. They've both got one club that's a little dodgy, which is their putting. And I think it could set up a very frustrating week for them, Diane. They're going to be so far down there. They're going to get their ball into the hole, in, in next to the hole, but they may not be able to convert as many as they need to win this tournament. So I've got them out of the picture this week, the two longest hitters. And Fino played well at Mayakoba, but Sunday was a frustrating day for him, for sure. And um, I think even heading into the round on Sunday, he was touted as the favourite to go and get that elusive second victory that he's been chasing forever. <laughs> but um, yeah, Sunday was a bit of a tough day for him. The, the second group, I'm just going down our list here, and uh, it's in no particular order, but we've mentioned him already in that he finished fifth at Mayakoba. This guy has won just shy of $1.4 million in this fall season. But Harris English and Matt Kutcher teaming up. Yeah, a couple of boys from uh, down in Sea Island area. Obviously good friends. Kutcher has been totally off form yeah. all season. Haven't seen his name at all. This was a guy that was a perennial money winner, was always in the top 10. 
have not seen Matt Kuchar's name at all this year, so I am not putting them into my magic top three this week. Harris English will probably have to carry a little bit of Kuchar around. We don't know. Kuchar plays with that long putter. He has a kind of a flat swing. He's the shortest hitter on the PGA Tour. So that team, uh, I'm not putting my I'm not, I'm not putting my money there this week, Diane. Next up, Lantel Griffin and Mackenzie Hughes. Two guys that, I mean, Lantel Griffin, neither of them have won this year on the PGA Tour. They've both kind of been there or thereabouts. And we've seen some great rounds from, from both of them. And Griffin in particular has been in contention quite a few times. But um, yeah, what do you make of this team? Well, I love, I love both of them, but I don't think they're going to win this week, Diane. They're both rookies playing at this event. It'll be very excited to get down there, see Greg Norman will be around on, 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 on site, talking to him, seeing all these great players. It's a, sort of a, it's a sort of a celebration when you're a rookie on the tour or a real young player and you finish up finding yourself in the Shark Shootout with all yeah. these guys that have been around forever. They won't, they won't be able to do it this week as rookies. They'll have to handle these tricky Bermuda grass greens. They won't have the experience to – they can play well, of course, but they ha- they don't have the experience to beat some guys that have been around here a dozen times. Hey, I'm just going to interject quickly because you said that they'll see Greg Norman. Do you follow him on Instagram? You know, obviously he's someone that you know well and have known for a very long time, but m- that man on Instagram, this is like a whole new Greg Norman, very different to the one that I watched playing golf when I was growing up. <laughs> well, Greg Norman and I have been friends for, I don't know, what am I? About 35 years, I suppose. And uh, so I know Greg real well. I don't follow him on Instagram, but um, it, it sounds <laughs> like, it sounds like I should, oh, yeah, well, yeah. He, he takes his shirt off in the grocery store. <laughs> he always does that. All oh, right. And um, well, we're sticking to the Australian theme. Mark Leishman and Cameron Smith teaming up. Cameron Smith, who played amazing at the Masters. Uh, two, two great friends of mine, of course, Mark Leishman, secret golf contributor. Leash has been off form all year since the pandemic, got shut down up in uh, Virginia. I was up there, saw him. He was off off form with his driver. Cameron Smith, on the other hand, uh, played great at the Masters, finished second. Uh, I think those two guys are going to have a ball this week, but I am not putting any money on that team this week, Diane. Leash has been off form. I think he's happy to get this season over with. He wants to get home or he wants to get his coach from Australia, who he's not seen in seven months, to get over and find out what's wrong with his game. That tiny little thing that's going to put him back on track. Okay. Um, Sebastian Munoz and Joaquin Neiman. It was a good showing for Neiman, um, especially three out of the four days at Mayakoba. He's teaming up with Munoz this week, so that should be a fun pairing to watch. Couple of rookies. You know how I feel about rookies going to courses they haven't been to before. It's hard to beat the guys with tons of experience on courses that they haven't been to. So I'm I'm holding them down a little bit this week, Diane. So we've gone through the course. Um, we're now going through the pairings, and we're going to end with our top three. Now, next up, we have Kevin Na and Sean O'Hare. Yeah, those two guys have uh, probably got in this event. There's different categories of the way you get into the Shark Shootout, Diane. There's current FedEx points. There's uh, off the world money list or, uh, sorry, off the uh, career money list. I would say those two guys are coming in off the career money list because they they haven't been up there in the forefront all season long. And then they have some sponsors' choices. This is an interesting pairing. Sean O'Hare seems to do well in these type of events. Kevin Nair is a great putter. Uh, I just don't think the firepower is there, Diane, for them to contend this week. Okay. Um, two very established names and guys that have played this tournament a lot. Louis Oosthuizen and Bubba Watson coming up next. Yeah, both enormous hitters. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bubba being left-handed, you know, he plays the big curves. Again, he's got a he's got a kind of a you know a, a putter that doesn't behave very often. Louis had a pretty good season. They've got the firepower. In fact, Diane, if we were doing some sort of dark horse thinking about this week, which we're not, <laughs> this would be one. What's their odds? Does it say right there? What's Vegas? Uh, I do. Their odds are seven to one. Louis is a good putter. The proximity to the hole would be the thing that I'm looking for to get to 31 under. This is a pretty flamboyant group. If you're feeling uh, if you're feeling seven to one tickles your fancy, then hey, this would be a dark horse pick. Um, 
last year's champions and we said that they got to minus 31 last year Rory Sabatini and Kevin Tway I mean of course they're teaming up again yeah so this is the other um thing that happens in the shark shootout you get two guys Kevin Tway very quiet I mean he literally you could play golf with Kevin all day and he won't say a word and Rory <laughs> Sabatini who's kind of a uh you know he's kind of a wild man he, yeah. he gets hot and those two together, they beat all the teams last year. And that's what happens sometimes. That's why this, these stats don't mean anything this week, Diane, because you can't tell how good a team gels together and how important it is mm-hmm. when they're re- – like sometimes if you're not a very good putter and you watch the other guy putt first, then you know exactly what to do. You run it right in. So very unusual team to win last year, but good on them. The only other time we see team events um, on the PGA Tour is the Zurich Classic in New Orleans. And it's a, a an official, like, full field, full points, full money PGA Tour event. So um, it's always, it's interesting. It's different. And it's kind of good to see the guys that do work well together. And they won last year, so they've got that winning memory. Um, the final team that we're going to talk about before we get into our top three is a team that, on paper, I mean, you would look at their names and think that they I thought they were going to be in our top three anyway, but it's Abraham Anser and Matthew Wolf. Yeah, these are two exciting kids. I think their combined age, Diane, 29 for Anser, 20 for Wolf. Their their combined age is younger than one of the guys that are in the top three. This is <laughs> one of the guys. Look, these guys are very powerful. I would say Wolf is um, – Wolf, of course, was in the uh, final group this year um, – at the U.S. Open that uh, Bryson DeChambeau won, enormous hitter off the tee, gets a little wild with the tee ball when he's not focused in real good. Um, Abe Answer is a great iron player. They both will be working on their putting in the fall. They, they, that's what's the difference for them from winning. Abe was, I think, in the final group of the Masters this year, so he he kind of fell off on Sunday with a 76. So, the only reason that I'm holding him out of the top three is that putting on both of their putters is a little uh, a little wobbly. Okay. So we said we were going to give you our top three pairings. And, well, the stats that we're looking at this week for the QBE shootout, we've got driving distance, driving accuracy, proximity to hole, scrambling, and average distance of putts made. Elk, what's going to be the, the key formula to doing well here? I'm so glad you asked me that question, Diane. <laughs> When I was lucky enough to win the shark shootout, Diane, three times, I had partners that were very good at something that I wasn't. When I think of my strengths when I played the tour was driving straight and hitting my iron shots very close to the hole. That's what I was good at. And when I was paired with Raymond Floyd, Raymond Floyd was one of the best putters on the tour. He covered up that part of the game for me, and that's why we won that one. Mark Kalkovecki was another one. He drove it way further than I did. So I kind of hit, hit off first, knocked it into fairway, and let him go for it. Okay. Then, of course, my irons were good. And he was a, a genius putter. He he could knock him in from all over the place. That's why we won that one. And then, of course, Greg Norman, the longest, straightest driver in the history of the game, my irons and his putting. Mm-hmm. So the reason that we've talked about these last three teams, we feel like that these have that combination. Okay. Interesting as well, especially this first team. You know, I guess we don't really know the backstory behind how some of these guys know each other and whatever, but Daniel Berger and Steve Stricker teaming up together. This is just going to be exciting to watch. Well, this is a very interesting pairing, Diane. For just what I said, keep in mind that the number one putter out of all these guys playing this week is Steve Stricker. And the second best putter of all these guys is Daniel Berger. So I'm saying to you, that's that's going to happen with those two guys. Now, Steve Stricker is 50-something years old. Daniel Berger probably drives the ball, you know, 50 yards past Steve Stricker. If Steve Strick, if Daniel Berger has a great driving the ball week at the shootout this week, okay. they could win this tournament because they are going to be miles out there Strick is going to be excited to hitting the shorter irons to the greens and then they putt like crazy. So watch out for this group. 
And they both played well at Mayakoba, ending well, both getting top 25 finishes, um, top, well, 17 for Steve Stricker. So, I mean, it was great to see him playing well on Sunday. And yeah, as you say, it's just, this could be a really interesting pairing that is a little bit off the grid. Yeah, well, you think of Steve Stricker playing at Mayakoba. Um, he's one of the shortest hitters down there, 50-something years. I think he's 52 years old. Hitting long irons into these greens and still finishing the top 25. That's going to serve them well when he walks up to where Burgers Drive is coming up this week. So the next team actually finished runner-up last year. So it's no surprise they're playing again this year. They both wear the Jordans on their feet. And, uh, well, we've seen Harold Varner III playing quite a lot recently, but I feel like we haven't seen Ryan Palmer out on the course for a while. But when we did, he was in great form. Harold's been so close this year that the two of them together, this could be the magic year for them. Well... In the team previous to this, we talked about the two best putters in the field. In this combination, Diane, we have the two best iron players. Mm -hmm. In other words, we're looking for tons and tons of chances to make birdies. These two guys hit it closest to the flag out of anyone else in the field. And Ryan Palmer is massively long off the tee, and he has tons of experience on this course, and Varna putts good. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so I'm looking for the magic combo and this one stands out for me. Okay, so Ryan Palmer and Harold Varner III, our second team. But the team coming in at number one for us this week are two guys who on Sunday at Mayakoba played so well, especially on the greens. And this is a pure example of us having the data, but then we have to go look at what they're actually doing when they're playing. And last week on the PGA Tour, we didn't have shot link. So it's not like we could get the accurate data from there. So this is definitely something that your eye, you're seeing, and you're so big on Billy Horschel and Brendan Todd. Well, of course, I didn't need shot link data. I watched it with my eyes, Diane. I saw Billy Horschel, who was ranked 120th in putting going into Mayakoba, and all I did all weekend was watch him fill up the fill up with 20 footer after 20 footer, and they were not going to be in the top three this week. But you're talking about the straightest driver on the PGA Tour is Brendan Todd, and he's a great putter. He's I think he's uh, ranked 20th, and now Billy Horschel, who was ranked 120th in putting, that's out. <laughs> now he's in the in the slot. Those two guys are red hot. Yeah. I think they're going to go out and lead this tournament after the first day and hang on all the way through. So that's why I've got them ranked at the top of the board this week, Diane. They played together last year and finished third. And we've, we talked about both of them on the show last week. And they didn't have good form heading into Mayakoba. I mean, Billy Horschel had finished 69th, then 38th. Todd had missed a cut and then finished 37th. And Horschel finishing fifth. Brendan Todd, who was the 2019 Mayakoba champion, finishing eighth. So they, I mean, as you say, they're red hot and the experience of playing so well at this course last year, it's no surprise they're right at the top. No, the whole trick to handicapping golf, Diane, is we can look at all the data. We look where they rank when they start the week. But I always tell, and I tell you in, in production meetings, is it's like sand on a table and you shake that sand all week and all that sand moves around. And where do they finish? It's our job to start to, to feel the trends because yeah. Billy Horschel's not going to putt terrible forever. Brendan Todd's not going to play bad forever. And when does it turn? Mm -hmm. And last week it turned for both of them. Horschel obviously fixed his putting. He's going to another set of greens that are just like the ones he just got off. Their confidence level will be very high this week. They finished third last week. They will be looking to hold that trophy this weekend. And their odds are eight to one at the time of recording. So I will get on that now because by the time this show comes out, it'll be three to one. <laughs> yeah. So there you go, our top three teams for the QBE shootout. Daniel Berger and Steve Stricker at three. Ryan Palmer and Harold Varner at the third coming in at number two. And then our top pick 
is Billy Horschel and Brendan Todd. Elk, we started doing this show on Sports Grid for the PGA Championship. That was our first one. And well, first of all, we love doing it. Um, I always say on Twitter that we put so much work into this show behind the scenes and we love doing it week after week. We love seeing the successes and kind of tracking everything. But it was an idea that you had and it kind of grew very organically. Yeah, well, I mean, we were picking winners, as you know, Diane, not to, you know, I picked Tiger, I picked Morikawa, I picked uh, Bryson DeChambeau. And it's not so much that I know everything, but, you know, being in the sport all these years and now we have all this data that backs it up and we start to see the trends of why a player plays well at this certain course or what does it take to play well at wing foot? How many fairways should you expect to hit? And we talk about this in the locker room. We all know kind of what the cut's going to be. We know what it's going to do to, you know, we know we got to get 10 balls inside of 20 feet. And we know we got to make 30% of those balls. So it's not just what I think or you think, it's what the players are actually thinking as well. So it's been a really interesting blend working with you and all of our people that take the statistics, talk to our players, figure out what the course is offering and how, who's going to fit. Because look, Every course doesn't fit every player. So there's always these trends. So we've had some we've had some high points this year. Martin Laird, of course, in Las Vegas. We're going to take a look back at a 250 to one shot that we kind of predicted was might happen. So it's been very fun. It's been uh, it's been fun. It's it's been great to talk about the players. It's been interesting to go back and see the courses. And if I could have known this, Diane, back in my day, you never know what I could have done out there. Um, I had said to you before we started filming the show, you know, let's look back on our highlights. And my highlight is the one you just mentioned. Martin Laird, the fellow Scotsman. It was the Shriners Hospitals for Children Open, a tournament he'd won before, but a long, long, long time ago. He'd lost in a playoff since then. Um, and he was 250 to one. And I had him as my dark horse pick. And that was a little piece of data that we found out that he actually putts better in Vegas than he does at any other place on the tour. And that was the difference that week. So that's the that's the kind of granular detail we're going down to. The other thing about that, and again, this kind of goes back to like the almost insider knowledge, is that he had he'd been injured. It was like his knee or his hip but he couldn't full swing. So he'd been working really hard on his putting because of course that was the one thing he could do that wasn't putting too much strain on his body. So it was no surprise his putting was so good at Vegas. Well, of course, you're right. It was, he had been practicing putting and, you know, we learned a lot of things this year, Diane. We learned, for example, that guys like Pat Perez could be playing terrible golf and go back to a place like Mayakoba where he's won more money than any other player, 1.8 million he's won in his career. And all of a sudden they play good again. Why is that? Well, it used to happen to me when I would go to Doral or places that I did well at because once I stood on that hole, I knew that the swing that I was swinging that day wouldn't work there. So I had to go back and think, okay, well, when I was here last year, I was more here. And you sort of jigsaw puzzle back into into form. These players are like this all, all the time. Now, some of the good ones stay up there all the time, like Justin Thomas and and, <laughs> yeah, they, they do it all the time. But we're trying, we're here to try to catch these little waves of guys that are rising and falling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the dark horse picks is such a fundamental part of the show. And we're going to talk to Jay Kaplan a little bit later on, who's like the king of the dark horse picks right now. He had three top five finishes in a row in Cam Smith at the Masters. I mean, who would have seen that one coming? So little things like that, when you have all the data in front of you combined with the intangibles, there are guys that really rise up and the ones that make those big jumps. It's so exciting to see that really kind of come to fruition. Yeah, you know, this year was very interesting, Diane, with the pandemic, no fans. We all thought when this came on, I thought that all the young guys would step forward. That's not what happened at all. All the all the guy, all the stars played great. I mean, Dustin Johnson blitzed everyone. Justin Thomas, uh, Dijambo, Berger, all the good players just smoked everyone. Almost 
hardly any rookies. I think two rookies won in the pandemic season, Ortiz in Houston and, mm-hmm. and one other, but it was dominated by the best players in the world. Yeah, exactly. Right, so um, we talk so much about the Secret Golf contributors and we have spent a lot of time talking to them this year. Um, I'm just thinking, first of all, like Jason Kokrak getting his debut win at the CJ Cup in Vegas. I mean, we spoke to Mark Leishman who told us that he'd been struggling with parts of his game. Uh, Russell Knox helped me co-host the show. I mean, my brother, I had to twist his arm, but he helped from Bermuda. So we, we were joined by a lot of them to kind of get a lot of inside information on the PGA Tour and what was happening and in particular what was happening with their games and well we'll take a look back at what some of them had to say. And some classic moments from guys like Pat Perez, Jason <laughs> Duffner, Ryan Palmer. I think even uh, Pat Perez after last week at Mayakoba said he can't play very good when he has a rain jacket on and there's monkeys walking around behind him at Mayakoba. So there's some inside knowledge for you right there. <laughs> I've seen his house on his wife's Instagram account. I wouldn't be surprised if they had monkeys walking around that pool, some of their crazy parties that they have. <laughs> oh, it's not that crazy. They got a little they got a little girl now, so they can't be too crazy. Right, Elk, thank you so much. As always, it's a pleasure working together, and I'm excited for what we're gonna do with the show next year. We're gonna pick a winner, is what we're gonna do. Another one. <laughs> So as we said, we're going to look back on some of the time we've spent with our secret golf contributors. The newest sure. champion on the PGA Tour. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, shit, it's still a whirlwind uh, right now. It's uh, been a pretty crazy couple of days. So uh, you just said to me there, it only took a decade to get the win. But I mean, we've been, we've been saying it for a long time and you've obviously felt that your game was in such a good place for a long time that it was only a matter of time before you got there. Yeah. yeah. Um, I felt like I was definitely playing some, uh, great golf. I mean, I finished 14th in the FedEx cup and then 42nd only playing, you know, half of the events. So, um, definitely pleased to, to get it early in the season. It kind of, changes the schedule a little bit but not not a ton so but uh really pleased with getting it done uh been a little bit of a whirlwind and then now I got another tournament this week so one more week before I get to go home to friends and family and uh enjoy celebrating with them yeah and something that Elk and I were talking about is like you're one of the longest hitters on tour and have been forever but driving distance for the week, you were 28th and there'd be, you would see holes where guys were pulling, you know, driver or three wood and you would play an iron. Had you really strategized the course beforehand and knew that that was going to be the game plan? Well, playing there quite a bit. I mean, I normally hit driver on number one, but for the week I just hit three iron to hit it in the fairway because if you don't hit the fairway, you can't really spin it enough to get it into certain spots. And then you think about number 15, 15 is one of those holes that you got to hit the fairway. There's, um, you know, creeks that run out at like 330 and 340, which, you know, at out in Vegas being 90 degrees and, you know, me hitting at 300 yards already, those are definitely in play. So I had to hit a lot of, I hit a, quite a few three irons off the tees where I normally would hit driver. So I knew it was, uh, it was huge for me to hit, you know, the fairways. And plus I'm hitting my three iron 260, 270, 280 uh in the in the Vegas heat so I I definitely played a little bit less aggressive than I normally would but uh the putter was uh the putter was on fire D Rob was on fire with the reeds and uh I was hitting hitting the lines that he was choosing so uh you know everything kind of fell into place and as they say I just let it happen I actually just spent a week in out in Palm Springs and and I I worked with a couple different people actually on on my putting so this is uh we have a lot of new new things. Same same power I've been using. Um, I've kind of made a slight adjustment to to my setup um, practice. I'm going to use a stupid line on my ball from now on. I think uh, <laughs> to to try and help me aim. So um, so yeah, they're, they're, I've got quite a lot of new things on the go this week um, in relation to putting. So um, like somebody said, I mean, if if it doesn't feel weird or something's a little different. Um, it's time to try something different because I've been banging my head against the wall for, I mean, basically my whole career when it's come to putting. And why did you call it the stupid line on your ball? Why have you been opposed to putting a line on your ball? Yeah, I've just, I've never enjoyed playing with people that do it. Um, especially if they put it down and then they, 
I, I'm a huge fan of they should make a new rule that once you place your ball down, you can't touch it again. Just like if it's lift clean in place in the middle of the fairway, as soon as your fingers leave the ball, you can't touch it. So I feel the same way with the, on the, the putting green. I mean, yeah, you can use your line, but the second you pull your, your uh, fingers off, off the ball, you shouldn't be able to adjust it. And it's so frustrating. I think playing with someone that picks up their coin, coin down, moves the line like this much, and then down, oh, does it again. It's just annoying, and I, I hate playing with people who do it. And I 100% promise you that if I put my line down and it's incorrect, I'm going to hit the putt anyway. So <laughs> um, uh, it's just – but I, I do think, I mean, over the, the course of the week where I worked with um, some coaches at Palm Springs, I mean, I – basically I proved to myself that my stroke is fine. It's just that at times I'm a terrible aimer. So obviously using the line, I can, um, there's a bit of interference between what I see and my brain kind of sees. So um, using the line is obviously going to be a tool that potentially might kind of marry those together a little bit. So I'm, um, I'm going to practice hard with that. There's so much talk right now about driving distance and everything that Bryson's doing. Out on tour, is everyone watching him? Like, the golf world is oh, yeah. talking about him all the time. I feel like week after week, there's something new that he's doing or on social media or we see him in a tournament. But are you guys really watching everything he's doing too? I, I do. I, I love it. I think that, um, you know, I'll never be able to, I'm just, you know, I'm a five seven guy. I'm not going to hit it. 400 yards but um i think it's really cool to see um a guy like that um doing it his own way and you know and he's always kind of he's always done it his own way and um you know to be able to to go out and build muscle and gain that much speed and um you know go out and and win a u.s open and win multiple pga tour events and i think that's that incredible um it comes you know, from hard work and he's done, he's doing unbelievable. And I think that that's, um, I think that that's crazy that I'm just hoping that, you know, something bad doesn't happen to his back or something like that. And I, I, I root for the guy. I really do. And I, I think that, um, he's one of the nicest guys on the PGA tour. And I think he's one of the hardest workers on the PGA tour. He's always the last one leaving the range. And from the minute I saw him back at colonial, um, when we came back, I told my caddy, I said, he's going to be the number one player in the world and he's going to, and he's not going to let off. Uh, we talked about you on the show leash mm-hmm. where you had a, a tremendous start and then you got knocked around on the, uh, when the virus came in and knocked down all your momentum, you weren't able to find it when you came back. What's your plan now? Um, Is that fair to say what I said? Yeah, spot on. Um, I've had a bit of a spell. So I've, I've played the U S open last week. Um, haven't touched a club until today. Uh, I just needed a bit of a reset. Um, you know, my technically my game wasn't awesome. Um, well, my swing wasn't great. And, you know, my coach isn't able to come over from Australia either. He's, he's in lockdown there. So, um, yeah, it's been an interesting few months. Um, but, you know, like anything, golf does have ups and downs. And, so these downs that you know I've, I had, you know, recently, uh, they just make the wins a whole lot sweeter. So hopefully, yeah. there's a win around the corner. Uh, things will turn around, and we can get back into that winner's circle. Well, it would be wrong of me to do the final show of 2020 without welcoming in Jay Kaplan. Thank you for being such an important part of the show, Diane. I'm humble, as you know, uh, but you have saved the best for last, and I really appreciate it. And I think we're sending the show out on a high note. Wouldn't you agree? You became a, the king of the dark horse for the year, which was kind of out of left field. Yeah, you know, um, I love underdogs. I love across all sports. Who doesn't love an underdog? And golf is one of the only sports where everybody loves the favorite and doesn't like the underdog. If you go back through history... Uh, Bob May and Tiger Woods, everybody was Tiger. Anybody against Phil, everybody was Phil. I like the underdogs, so I study him a little bit. And actually, the most success we've had with people watching the show and then putting money on these bets or these lineups is guys moving into the top 10, the top five. So the, the names that you wouldn't really think, they're making such big jumps up and their odds for that are so huge that... 
that's where like we've had a huge amount of success with this. And for you in particular, there's been three occasions where back to back, the guys finished top five. And I think the, the pivotal moment was Cameron Smith, your dark horse pick, finishing runner up at the Masters. And uh, of course, again, me being humble, I would let you know on every shot he was taking how good my pick was. I kept texting you fire emojis and you were finally not responding to me. <laughs> so I knew I'd maybe <clears throat> hit the wall with that. So it really is, wouldn't you say, a, collabor a collaborative uh, activity between the two of us? It really is. And Elk just brings in this whole... This this knowledge, it's like a completely different level. And it's that's what makes the show unique. And you know, we're so grateful to him for everything he contributes. So I feel like everything we've done so far in 2020 has just been great. And we love it. We're excited to really hit the ground running with the tournament of champions in Kafalua at the start of the year. Can't wait for it. In fact, uh, the lab, this is the door to the lab right behind me. And by the time we get to Hawaii, you and I are going to be ready to make some underdog picks and probably a lot more. Right. Thank you so much for supporting the SG Tour Report. We're excited to come back. Enjoy the shark shootout this week as well. And hopefully you'll have a little bit of fun and get some success to end the year on a high. That was fun. I like watching the team events. As we said in the podcast, the only other one we see on the PGA Tour is the Zurich Classic of New Orleans. And I just love it. I think it's fun. I think you see a slightly different side to the players. And um, I know this one isn't like a, a full PGA Tour event, but of course they're always going to be competitive and it's just a cool format. So enjoy it this week. As we said, our top team is Billy Horschel and Brendan Todd. And after the two of them getting those top 10 finishes at Mayakoba last week, the fact that they know this course and they finished so well last year, it seems to be the recipe for success. Um, but I can't wait to see Daniel Berger and Steve Stricker. I think that's going to be a really fun pairing to watch. Also this week, it's the US Women's Open at Champions Golf Club and some of our secret golf contributors are playing in that. Brittany Lang, who's a past champion, Jarena Piller, Stacey Lewis, Brittany Lincecum, Gabby Lopez, and Elk is volunteering. I love the fact that he's doing it. It's his home course. He's there every single day. A few people know that course better than him. And he's on the course management team, maintenance team. So... It's going to be cool to hear his stories. Next week, we're going to have another podcast and it's going to be a special one as well. A look back on 2020, but the full year. I know this year has been a little bit crazy and um, unconventional, <laughs> to say the least. But we're going to look back on all the time we spent with our Secret Golf contributors. Um, we, we actually sat down with so many of them at the Players' Championship before golf was I guess suspended for a couple of months due to the pandemic so anyway that podcast is really fun it's coming together and um, hopefully you will enjoy that anyway QBE shootout this week good luck if you're putting on your bets and your picks and your fantasy lineups and as I said earlier it's just a little bit different for the PGA Tour and also all the best to everyone taking part in the US Women's Open and we'll have some great stories from that next week too. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.